Hello, welcome to Tovi TV. This is the Tovi TV Everton podcast. This is another edition of the Nedcamp podcast, joined by Cameron from the Mighty Blues. Cameron, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm all right. How are you? I'm not so bad, to be honest. It's been a a decent, well, decent start to the week. Obviously, we've had the yeah. first win since West Brom, which feels it feels good. Obviously, it wasn't a, a great win. Uh, we'll, we'll, go on, we'll start with the Arsenal game. What did you make of the uh, the very boring nil nil game that happened to turn out one nil? I think you just summed it up perfectly yeah. there, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, look, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great game whatsoever, but I did it a couple of times recently. At, at this point in the season, um, with us still trying to keep our sort of you know name in the half for, for Europe, the, the performance isn't really what matters. It's it's the results at the moment, and obviously, like you mentioned, coming off the back of three draws on the bounce and three games, the Palace game in which we created a plethora of opportunities and couldn't take them, the Tottenham game in which, you know, we basically gifted them the point with silly mistakes. We just desperately, desperately needed the win. And it wasn't the greatest performance whatsoever mm. by either team. It was, it seemed like a game of two sides that just didn't really have much quality in them whatsoever. I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't press Arsenal as much as we did Tottenham the week before. Uh, we didn't get at them a little bit more because I think we'd have forced them into making uh, more mistakes. Obviously, the goal come from a shock and defensive mistake. But I think he would have got at them a little bit quicker that they've made more of those. But ultimately, mate, you, you can't complain. Six, seven games to go and you're still sort of in and around three, five points away from those teams that are sort of in the top, you know, five or six places. Um, you just need to be getting results and getting wins. And if you were to say to me now, you know, every game goes like that between now and the end of the season and you win every game 1-0 with a silly own goal, I'd, I'd take it, I'd snap your hand off for it because, you know, I get that it's not, Great watching performances like that, and it is a bit frustrating, but ultimately, you know, a win's a win. And, and look, we performed very well against Tottenham the week before, and we come away with with only a point, and we really needed to win in that game. So I'm happy. Um, it, I'm glad that we've now got that, you know, sort of run of three draws on the bounce out the way because nobody, you know, likes drawing. and it completely takes away your momentum. It, it, you just, when you draw a game, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and listen, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say we've got a, a game in hand over the teams above us, I know we are, but people don't like saying it because you've got to win that game in hand, but let's just say there's more points to play for, so I suppose yeah. we're right in it, and um, obviously, is it three home games we've got left, is it Wolves, Villa and Sheffield United? I mean, you look at those yeah. fixtures, obviously we're not being so great at home this season, but you just think oh, we should be beating those teams anyway, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I mean, you know, again, like you mentioned, our home form hasn't been particularly good whatsoever, but ultimately, and realistically, I think, like you, like you said before about the um, the Arsenal game, at this point in the season, you, you just need to start picking up wins. And, you know, we are still in that race for Europe. We are still in the hat, obviously. I think, you know, you mentioned the game in hand. I don't like talking about the game in hand because it feels like that's all mm. we constantly say. Oh, yeah, we've got this game in hand. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is that that game in hand is against the team that we realistically should be beating. We're playing them on Saturday. Um, the game in hand still hasn't been scheduled. I don't know why, but we're playing Aston Villa on yeah. Saturday. And realistically... We have to go out and win um, because if we've got any aspiration of playing in the European competition next season, teams like Aston Villa, and that's no disrespect to them, but you have to be able to turn up and, and beat. And I get that we haven't been great at home. Uh, one thing I would say is we were much better at home against Tottenham than we have been for the majority of this season. Uh, so hopefully we can take that sort of form in and perform like we did against Spurs, with the exception of the hopefully we don't make the stupid defensive mistakes. But no, you're right, mate. It's... Um, Every game's a must-win now. Every game's a must-win, especially considering how tight it is in the table as well. Yeah. You can't can't afford to drop points at this point in the season. Well, we're still we're still in there, aren't we? We're right in there for yeah. 
you know, we could easily finish sixth this season. We've just got to win our games and hope, hope the other fixtures go our way, really. But how many times have we been saying, oh, we win this, we go sixth, or we win this, we go fourth, yeah. and we've just we've bottled it every time. We always we make it up to we make it up to finish and and we we seem to be the owner achievers of our own downfall. So, so yeah. going back to the Arsenal game, what did you make of um, Godfrey and Holgate at centre back? So obviously the team news came out and we we saw him against Fulham and you couldn't really handle Josh Madger. So thankfully Abamyang and Lacazette <laughs> wasn't in there. So what what was, what were your thoughts on when you saw them at centre back and then after the game? Um, I was a little bit concerned, obviously, uh, only because I wanted Yeri Mina in there. As yeah. soon as I heard Yeri Mina was fit on Thursday afternoon by Carlo, I thought, right, great, get Yeri Mina in there. Because if there's one thing that was evidently clear from the Spurs game is that we missed Yeri Mina massively. Um, I still stick by my point, mate, that we wouldn't have conceded those two goals with Yeri Mina on the pitch because I think he clears both of those crosses in the Spurs game. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I was I was a little bit sort of worried, but I was just happy to see a four at the back, to be honest with you, because, you know, even though we've had a, a lot of centre-back partnerships this season, and even though, like you mentioned, um, you know, Ben Goffrey and Mason Holgate didn't perform brilliantly against Fulham whatsoever early on in the season, I just don't think five at the back works at all. I don't. I, I can't remember the last time we performed brilliantly defensively with a five at the back formation. I don't think Michael Keane likes it, suits it. I don't think he's comfortable in it. I don't think Mason Allgate's comfortable in it. I, I think Ben Goffrey's comfortable anywhere, but I just don't think. I just don't like a five at the back. So as soon as I seen four at the back, I was happy. Um, and I think both defenders done a really, really good job. I thought Mason had a solid game. Look, Ben Goffrey. I say it every week, mate. He's, a, he's an 8 out of 10 every week. I, I can't yeah. remember the last time Ben Godfrey put in a, a bad effort in performance. He's played, what, 23, 25 times for Everton this season. Um, and can you anyone honestly name a bad game? Yes, there may be games where he's performed better than others, but even in even in those games where we've defended poorly, you look at Ben Godfrey and think, yeah, Ben was decent today. Everybody else was dross, mm. but Ben had a decent game. So I was happy with Ben Godfrey in there. And like I said, Mason, again, if I was to pick any one of the four centre-backs who wouldn't have played before the game, it would have been Mason Holgate. But then, obviously, we, we read that Michael Keane had picked up an injury. Yeti Mina obviously wasn't fit to start. He was only fit to, to make the bench. So, look, I, I was, again, I understood as soon as I, I see Michael Keane was out that there wasn't much of an option. And I'd rather Yeti Mina have not started if he wasn't 100% fit because I, I don't want him to pick up a further injury because, let's be honest, we really, really need him between now and the end of the season. And I thought I thought the both, the both of them done OK. I thought they defended well. There was a couple of times when Arsenal got in behind, but I thought for the majority of the game, Mason looked a lot more comfortable than he has done in the last couple of weeks. And I think there's a lot to be said about that and playing as a, as one of the centre-backs in the back four and looking a lot more comfortable than he usually does. Yeah, I, I thought they were all right, to be honest. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't too confident. I don't want to say I wasn't confident before the game, but it wasn't, you know, you, you start getting flashbacks of Fulham, don't you? But yeah, I don't see them as a, a future partnership. What do you think? Do you see them as a future partnership? Um. No, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't. I, I mm. think it's difficult, this centre-back situation, isn't it? Because there's, the argument with Evertonians is, is always there. Is, well, firstly, who's our best centre-back? Some would say Yeri Mina, some wouldn't say Yeri Mina, some would say Ben Godfrey. I'd say Ben is probably the most consistent. I think he's missed yeah. the consistent and he's missed the reliable, to be honest with you. But I think I'd say Yeri Mina. Michael Keane has had a, a really good season up until the last couple of weeks or so. I remember Michael Keane at the start of the season was excellent. Um, So... I don't see them, I don't see Mason and Ben as, as a future centre-back partnership, to be honest, because I think that they both are a lot better when they've got that sort of experience playing next to them. Um, 
I know that's quite you know it, it sounds stupid considering the, the goals we conceded against Tottenham, but yeah. I I don't know. It, it's difficult for me because I'd I'd say going into next season I'd, I'd have Yeri Mina in there next to Ben Goffrey yeah, as so the number or Yeri Mina and Michael Keane performed brilliantly for for large part of uh, of the season. They were brilliant certainly when we had to play with the four centre backs across the back line. So it's difficult to say. It's also difficult to say because we don't know what's going to happen in the summer. Of course, there's been rumours about Yeri Mina potentially leaving the football club. Um, I don't think he will, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think Yeri Mina has to be one of the, the two at least. And, you know, it's it's very difficult to, to say Ben Godfrey shouldn't be in there either because he's, like I said, he's Mr. Consistent, isn't he? Yeah, they're all different types of centre-backs, really, mm-hmm. aren't they? I mean, yeah. Yeri Mina's... I, I suppose you are right in saying Yeri Mina's the best defender. He's, he's, he's the <clears> smartest <throat> defender, really, isn't he? Yeah. And Godfrey's yeah. that, you know, he's that. They're all good at doing... Um, Things that other centre backs might not be so great. That's so obviously Jeremy is yeah. he's a brilliant defender. He's not got the legs really, as he's not fast. But you put him yeah. next to a Godfrey, and so I for me the partnership going forward would be Mina and Godfrey. Mina being the classic stopper, you know, clear your lines, really good yeah. aerial, and Godfrey's that you know he's not the smartest. He's, he's smart. He's a smart lad. He's not the smartest centre back like Jeremy Mina, but he's a he's a real yeah. athlete, he's a stopper. He's got the legs, pacey, and um, really good at getting stuck in. So for me, obviously there's been talks about Koulibaly coming in, but and Yeri Mina going out. But for me, it would be Yeri and Godfrey, and then you'd have the the backup twos, Keane for Keane coming for Mina because they're not like for like, but you know they're both similar type of like. Keane's a low block, good aerial, uh, pretty yeah. pretty good on the ball, and Holgate's that sort of you know mobile, quite quick, athletic sort of centre back as well. So they they would be yeah. the options for me going forward, and obviously. Once Keane goes out the door, Branthwaite can come in for a backup for Mina and maybe even be the successor for Yerry Mina. But what's, yeah. what's your thoughts on the the Koulibaly links? Can you see him being a an interesting summer signing, or do you think it's just all rumours? Um, it's it's a mad one, isn't it? I, it's difficult because Koulibaly is now twenty nine years old, and I, I stick by my point is that I don't really think a centre back is our main main priority in the summer. To be honest with you, I think right back is number one. I think right winger or just a tricky winger that can beat. Peter Mann is probably number two. And I also think that another midfielder with a bit of energy that can sort of come in when Abdelai like, Decore is out is probably number three. Uh, I look at the Koulibaly stuff and I think if we if Everton were a centre-back away from being the best team in the world or the best team in the country, then yeah, maybe you'd say, right, go and take that punt on Koulibaly. It cost you whatever, 30 million pounds, 29 years old. But you know when he comes in, we're then going to be the best team in the country. We're going to win the league. We're going to win the Champions League. Mm, we're going to yeah. you know, dominate English football. But we're not that centre back away from being that team. So by the time Koulibaly comes in and we are that team, he's probably 33, 34 and has either moved on or looking to move on. So I just, again, he's a very, very good defender. He really, really is. And, and maybe would fix a lot of our defensive issues. But I just think there's other areas in the pitch that I want Everton to focus on before we focus on defending. If Everton were, like I said, a centre back away, a bit like them, lot way across the park, a centre back away from being the perfect sort of team altogether then I'd say go and take your punt on him but we're not we're a right back we're a winger we're a centre midfielder probably again maybe some would even argue another centre forward yeah. Um. so again I do think it's a, a listen it's an easy rumour to make up in it by journalists you've got a defender who probably has won well a defender who's been rumoured to be leaving Napoli for about the last 10 years you've got Carlo Ancelotti who's worked with said defender before there's this big rumour about the Italian market being um, you know, needing money invested into it because of financial issues. So you just all lash them together, make an article, and people click on it. Um, the reality of the situation is, is Koulibaly's been linked with 
Premier League clubs consistently for the last yeah. five or six years, from my knowledge anyway. Since, since, since think, 2015 at least, isn't it? Yeah. And I just think Everton are the latest one of those clubs. Do I think it'll happen? No. Would they be happy if it did happen for the right price and the right wage? Maybe. Because he would come in and improve Everton. There's no question about that. He would improve Everton. But if he was to come in, someone would have to leave, be it Mina, probably Mina or Keane, one of them two would have to go. Uh, but I don't see it happening, if I'm being honest, mate. I, I don't. Well, it's not a priority, is it? You, you could argue no. that centre back position is our most equipped um, yeah. position on the on the on the field. Obviously, we've got other big areas. Obviously, like you said, centre forward. If Josh King leaves, then we we'll have to bring possibly another centre forward or a winger yeah. in. So he's a player who can play both. But in in terms of midfielders, obviously against Arsenal, we saw a a, a fresh midfielder come on who's not played since Burnley in Fabian Delph. What did you make of Fabian Delph? I th- I think he stood out. Obviously, he had a he had the white socks on, so he did stand out for me. What did you make of his return? Um, yeah, he stood out massively, didn't he? Uh, firstly, because he had the wrong socks on, and secondly, yeah. because he was careful, uh, to be honest. Uh, look, I don't want to go too deep into Fabian Delph. I'm not a fan of Fabian Delph, and I'd sell him in the summer if we got the correct bid. I, I, again, I don't I don't, but I don't really criticise Mar- Marcel Vance for the Fabian Delph signing mm. either, to be honest, because I remember when we brought him in, I thought, yeah, £8 million, won the league, uh, seemed like a leader in that Manchester City setup, or at least what we all seen on the on the documentary. So I thought, yeah, bring him in. You know, if, if anything, he'll bring that bit of leadership, he'll bring that little bit of mentality. But the reality of the situa- situation is he spent 99.9% of his Everton career on the injury list and getting, um, you know, getting physio, and he spent the rest of it arguing with fans about why they couldn't do a better job than he could do so i just don't think he's been a success i think he, he left a bit of stain in a lot of fans mouth when he when he died even when he was arguing and when he was on social media yeah, yeah. Um, you know having that little bit of a you know a, a fallout and i just think now it's time to sort of shake hands and, and go i don't want to go too deep into him for the arsenal performance because he has only just come back from an injury but if we're being totally honest with ourselves he was absolutely abysmal and it takes something when a player comes onto the pitch in the wrong socks and that's mm. not that that's not the main thing that makes him stand out the main thing that makes him stand out is that he can't play footy um but listen you can only sell these types of players if people bid for them can't you and this is where i this is where I sort of sympathise with Marcel Brands a bit, is if Fabian Delft still an Everton player next season, everyone will go, well, why didn't we sell him? Why didn't we sell him? You can't just go out and drop him on someone's doorstep and say, he's your player. Now, play, teams have to bid, and I fully expect that if somebody bids for Fabian Delft, he will leave Everton Football Club, as yeah. he should. Um, but look, listen, Everton have had awful injuries this season. Baz told me last week, we're the only team, Premier League team, to have had every single player mm, out yeah. injured. At, at, at any time this season so it's good to see him return I'm not going to sit here and say it's not because ultimately we've got the core out injured we've got uh, Gomez has been out injured we've got a lot of players out injured so when somebody returns even if it's not somebody you know who, who is particularly going to have a massive impact it's still good to see them return because ultimately he's still a name that can be involved Um, but yeah again it's just happy to see him back because he, you know happy to see players that are injured back but he's not going to have an impact on this team as he let's be honest well if he's, he's a player that you're trying to get out the door then it's good to have him back because like against Arsenal mm-hmm. I think he brought him on just you know the shop window tactic let other teams yeah. have a look at yeah. him obviously yeah. maybe that's why he told him to wear white socks go, into, go out in white socks you stand yeah. out a bit more hopefully Watford or yeah. someone picks up on you and goes hey he could be, could be alright when we come back up but obviously I don't mm-hmm. know whether that worked for the best I mean Leeds yeah, exactly. I mean, we were, we were nil nil when he came on, and we the end finished, the game finished one nil. So you could argue that it was a an unbelievably great tactical sub substitution. Substitution, exactly. But um, yeah, he's he's a player that 
if you look back at the the Man City Prime, the Amazon Prime documentary thing, he, he was really, he was that character, wasn't he, in the dressing room? He was, yeah. he was a proper leader, and he'd won a title, <clears> and he'd, he he went into Man City, didn't he? Play in a position that he didn't play, and yeah. uh, and won a title there. So he, he, looking back at the time, I was delighted when we signed him for eight million. What's it's nothing really, yeah. is it? But obviously, it's not been the not been for the best. No, no. So let's move on. There's been a lot of controversy controversy in in the past week or two. It seems to be dying down, not dying down, but it's it seems to be talked to, talked a lot less by the big authorities. Obviously, um, the UEFA chairman is it is it Alexander Keferin? He's come out yeah. and said the teams will be punished. Obviously, I'm talking about this, the European Super League, and and Florentino Perez has come out and said, "Oh no, these teams can't leave. They've signed a contract." So, yeah. how do you think? There's been a lot of speculation on how they should be punished this week, and obviously, a lot of journalists and a lot of people really saying that you can't punish the fans. But who was saying that when when Wigan went down and yeah, and Sheffield went? Yeah, exactly. All these teams got punished, like the Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> Bolton. Obviously, we mentioned last week who's who's bothered about them now, but. Yeah. How, how? What do you think a realistic punishment should be, especially if it turns out they have signed a contract because they've not denied it, have they? And that can put them in a lot of trouble because they've, at the end of the day, they broke the Premier League rules. Yeah. Well, I think a realistic punishment has to be. You look at you mentioned the, the other teams that have been punished there. Um, you know, your, your Betty Betty fans lost their football club. Was that down to their fans? No, it wasn't down to their mm. fans at all. It was down to shock and ownership. They lost their football club. They now, I can't even begin to imagine. What it, I'd feel like if Everton, you know, uh, if Everton went into liquidation and we lost mm. Everton, uh, Leeds the same. I think they got massive point deduction. Bolton the same. They got massive point deduction. So I think when you're looking at this, and some people are saying, "Oh yeah, just find them." Finding a multi-billionaire, fifty million, isn't going to do anything mm, whatsoever. Exactly. He'd probably, he'd probably go, "Yeah, look, get us me uh, me fourth wallet there, and there's a bit of change in there, and give that to them." The reality of the situation, Matt, is that I don't think they will be fined heavily, because I think what the reason, and you said before, that everything's sort of starting to die down a little bit now. Everything's becoming a lot quieter. And that's because the uh, the, the Premier League, the UEFA, all of these organisations who claim to care about football. I mean, UEFA come out and said this is a spit in the face of all football lovers. Mm. But then as soon as those clubs said, actually, no, we don't want to join it, they were there with open arms to, to welcome them back. They don't care about football. They don't care about fans. They don't care about the history of the sport. They just care about the fact they were going to lose money. And that's why it's all died down now and it's not talked about as much by the authorities because now certain television broadcasters know they're not going to lose money. Now certain uh, organisations and whether it be the FA, Premier League, UEFA, they know they're not going to lose money. So they're not really bothered now because these teams have come running back. They're not going to lose their money and that's it. They'll, be, they'll punish them. Because they know that if they don't punish them, then it'll be then that's blatant. It's clear that all they care about is their pocket, and we all know that anyway. We're not soft, but in terms of realistic punishments, for me, it has to be. It's it's got to be bans from European competitions. Firstly, that's a necessity. If UEFA don't ban these teams from European competitions, then they've got no backbone. Whether it be two years, whether it be three years, whether it be five years, these clubs were happy to walk away and never play yeah. in a UEFA governed competition ever again. They all signed a deal and all on that night they signed the deal said we've left you wait for now we've gone we don't want to be a part of it now they've come running back doesn't work like that that's not how life works so firstly those clubs should be punished and banned from european competitions champions league europa league uefa conference league etc don't let them play in it for five six ten years whatever they ultimately you the clubs you just mentioned matt all of their fa their fans their players were punished for bad ownership 
He didn't mm. sign steel footballer owners. They just couldn't sort their finances out and ended up running them into administration. And some of them were deducted 15, 20 points. Some of them were banned from competitions. These owners have tried to steal football. So yeah. European bans for a start and then points deduction for me, absolute necessity because you can't let these teams get away with it. Otherwise, it happened with Project Big Picture. They said, oh, we're going to do this Project Big Picture. Then they said, oh, no, actually, and nothing happened to it. They just got a slap on the wrist. Yeah. If they don't get punished for this one, then they'll go and do something else in six months. Again, it'll come up again because they know they can get away with it without getting punished. But if I'm being honest, mate, they won't get punished. They won't because... What was that, like six six months ago, the Project Big, uh, Big yeah. Picture? And they turned it down. He said, no, you do not have a permission to go and join a breakaway league. Yeah. Six months later, something, they come back with the Super League and they released, they released, they released a statement completely going against the Premier League. So they broke the rules. They broke the Premier League rules. They didn't have permission to join this breakaway league. And there obviously must be some sort of contract, contract negotiation being signed or something for them to release a statement. You don't release, yeah. the clubs will, would not release a statement over a letter for agreement or a WhatsApp saying fancy playing. Yeah. Super League next season, yeah, go on then, release a statement, it doesn't happen, yeah. and obviously Wigan, I said, I think I said this last week, Wigan, the EFL, a no mark who didn't know how to run a football club, wasn't fit to run a football club, buy a football club in the EFL, and then they punish the club for it, yeah, which, was that that's, fair? That's the same, that's the same situation as we're in now, the Premier League and the EFL have let no marks who haven't got a clue about football, yeah, and exactly. don't, have football's best uh, interests at heart run a football club mm. but because they've got a load of money I, I said it I think we said it on the podcast last week not even being big headed not even trying to sound like the big I am I reckon you could sit me down with any human being on this planet and it'd take me five minutes to know if they knew about football yeah. I mean John W. Henry sat down I said this to a Liverpool fan by the way I was I was out having a, a drink with um, a couple of mates socially distanced and all that on Friday and I sat down with a Liverpool fan and I said did you know that one of those big six executive owners once said when he first watched this football club which team are we who are we where, where, which colour do we play in mm. and this this lad said uh, one of me one of my mates said John W. Henry straight away didn't even need to guess he knew who it was mm. the Premier League have left these people come in and buy football clubs solely because they've got a lot of money and they're going to pump a lot of money into their organisation not because they've got the club's best interests at heart not because they've got Football's best interest at art just because they've got a lot of money. Now, I know there's a lot of Evertonians who, who um, you know, who, who have issues with Bill Kenwright and, and have had issues with Bill Kenwright throughout the years. But I remember 10, 15 years ago when Ever Evertonians were screaming for Bill Kenwright to sell a football club and he kept, he was he was adamant and no, I'll only sell it to the right man. And maybe there was multi-billionaires left, right and centre wanting to sell, but he would only sell it to the right man. When Farah Mashiri came out on TalkSport last week and said it's a disgrace, it's an utter disgusting, uh, you know, we, we'd never even consider anything like that. I just felt proud because I thought yeah. that's the right man because that could have easily been Everton last mm. week. That could have easily been Everton who was sold to a greedy billionaire who hasn't got the club's best interest in our hearts and we could have been one of those big six clubs who, who joined up with them and we could have all been sitting here saying we're disgusted and we're disgraced, but we're not because... Bill Kenwright and Far found Farah Mashiri, who had the club's best interest in our life. Yes, he's also a multi-billionaire, and we also spend a crap load of money. Obviously, that's football. If in order to keep up with football, you have to do that. It's about doing it in the right way and having morals, and none of those six owners have got morals. But mm. the reality of the situation is, Matt, none of those organisations that were threatened last week have got morals either, because they won't find them like they should. They won't uh, punish them like they should, because they're worried about the money they're going to lose. If, if, if the if Premier League come out and say, well, right, yeah, now we're deducting, 25 points off everybody. Uh, well, at the end of the season, we'll deduct 25 points from anybody. Arsenal will get relegated. 
Then the Premier League will go, mm. well, hang on, we're probably going to lose a lot of money from Arsenal being relegated because of Arsenal's global fan base. So we won't do that because we'll lose a lot of money on that. It's not about whether what, what what's right for football and what's wrong for football. It's about what's going to make us money and what's going to lose us money. And that's why they were so disgusted is because they're going to lose money. And that, and we all sat here and said, it, it takes something when we're all signing with UEFA and, and FIFA. They were two of the most corrupt bloody organisations yeah. on the planet. The reason we were all siding with them is because we as fans had football at heart. They had money at heart. And that's why mm. they're all happy now. And it's like, yeah, they've all come back. Yeah, they can play. Why, why are Real Madrid playing Chelsea last night? No, rid them all. Mm. Rid the pair of them. They agreed to walk away. Rid them. Give it to PSG. But they won't do it because they probably earned millions and millions of pounds off of last night's semi-final. So, uh, again... It just we we know we know it's a, it's a reflection on society, mate, and we know what society is, and we know what football is in this day and age. And unfortunately, it'll probably never change, and it'll only get worse. But yeah, I, I don't think they'll be punished heavily. They'll probably get a fine, maybe a slap on the wrist, and they might get a ban from the Carabao Cup or something like mm. that for the season. Yeah. Uh, they won't get banned from the European competitions. I'll tell you that, and they certainly won't get points deducted from the league. But yeah, but did, did we expect any different, mate? Do we expect any difference? You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, I mean, you said in relation to society, it all comes out on money at the end of the day, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've seen a lot of protests over the last week with, uh, with, with Arsenal, with Kroenke and United with the yeah. Glazers. But do you think do you think the Glazers and, and the Kroenke family are really bothered about these these no. fans outside the stadium who they've already said they don't care about anyway? No, they don't care, mate. They, they, don't, they don't care mm. one jot. And they know that. The, the, the most important thing that these fans of these football clubs have to do now, i.e. Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, they have to continue these protests constantly. When fans are allowed back in the stadiums next season, go and protest outside the ground again, do it in the stands, do it in the stadium. The only way that anything will ever change is consistency. Doing one protest, they'll just overlook it and go, they'll be all right in two weeks. Or in the summer, when we sign, and, and football fans are fickle, they are fickle, because if Arsenal go out in the summer and sign, I don't know, I'm trying M to think of a way M Mbappe they'll forgive yeah, him they? or, or even Jack Grealish they'll forgive yeah. him and it'll be oh yeah brilliant we've got this football fans are fickle we all know that the only way this, these owners will take note is if it's consistent and there's constant protest throughout the year mm. in grounds in stadiums outside not just the odd fan putting a banner up or the odd fan scheming everybody doing it and these clubs need to get their, these owners out of football because these people shouldn't be running football clubs whatsoever. But you're right, they don't care. They won't pay attention. They're not asked. In fact, they're probably sitting back with their feet up laughing at them, going, ah, look mm. at them, all they're wasting their time thinking that we're going to walk. You know, I know that the Spotify um, owner has teamed up with, I think, Bearcamp, Henri and Pete yeah. signed by Arsenal. Again, you know, uh, you know, I, I understand that they're footballing people. And listen, the reality of the situation with football clubs in this day and age is you need... You need somebody who is business-minded and who is football-minded as well. And Carlo Ancelotti got it spot on when he talked about the Super League in his press conference. He said that. He said, it's all about American franchises and, and baseball and, and all of that, you know, American sports. And he said, there's nothing wrong with the way the Americans have their sport. There's nothing wrong with, basically, when you watch the Super Bowl, it's an advert every five seconds. There's nothing wrong with when you watch an American sport and it's filled with um, commercialization. There's nothing wrong with that because the, the you know the American audience like that they they accept that and they're happy with that. But that's not the way we do it in Europe. It doesn't mean that we're right and they're wrong. It's just not the way we do it. And the reality of the situation is situation is with football is it's business yes, but it's also yeah. football. It's not just business, and that's what these people have tried to make it just a business. Yeah. Um. But you're right, mate. On on your point, they won't they won't listen. They won't care. They won't they won't be bothered. 
Well, you mentioned the, uh, the the Spotify on it, didn't you? Is it's is it Daniel Elk or something like that? He's yeah. a big Arsenal yeah. fan, isn't he? Yeah. But I, obviously, we got the emails yesterday off Spotify saying, "Well, putting the prices up," and you're thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> it's happening." But I, <laughs> cro- there's no way Cronkies, the Cronky family, is going to sell on, are they? That, no, not because of some Arsenal fans outside the stadium. They simply don't care about the Arsenal fans. That's but I, I feel a bit for um, obviously. Daniel Levy, CEO of Tottenham. Do you think Daniel Levy didn't want to sort of miss out on an opportunity and think, oh, what if we don't sign up and then it, there's massive repercussions? And the same as City, where they may end up being, you know, they want to stay at the top and all this money's available. Obviously, they didn't need it. So I do feel a bit feel a bit for the for those owners. I, I get where you're coming from, and I, and I do think that certainly City and probably Chelsea and Tottenham were maybe pushed into a corner by Man United, Arsenal, and um, and Liverpool to sign. But I don't, I don't feel for them one bit because ultimately they, they listen. Anybody with the right mind could have gone. This ain't working. This ain't going to happen because there'll be protests. The whole of football will go against it. Probably the rest of the Premier League will go against it. The rest of the world will go against it. So it'll fall to bits very soon. And, I, and I, when I done the scenes last week, I said this will fall to bits. And when it does fall to bits, these clubs need punishing. So I get, I, I do understand where you come from, and I get they probably were pushed into a corner a little bit. And maybe forced to say, look, you know, you sign this and, and we'll have you'll have this hundreds of million and you'll have this. Then we'll leave probably four billion. I sign this contract and the stadium's paid off, got no debt. City probably four billion. I sign this and half of our debt's paid off. Same with um, with Chelsea. But the reality of the situation is, I think as much as they might say, yeah, we were forced into a corner a little bit, they could have easily said, hang on, this is completely against football. This is completely yeah. against what the sport we play in. This is completely against the sport we've grown up loving. So I'm not signing for it. I think it's more, certainly with Abramovich coming out firstly and saying, yeah, we don't want to sign it. I think he's an owner who has probably looked at those protests outside of Stamford Bridge last week and gone, well, let's be honest, he's probably gone. I'm going to lose a lot of customers here because that's all these people mm. see football fans are as customers. So he's seen them protest and he hasn't gone like the Cronkies will or the Glazers will. I don't care because the because Arsenal are a massive football club globally. Manchester United are a massive football club globally. Chelsea are, but they're not on that level of those two football clubs, in my opinion. So I think Abramovich has gone, I'm probably going to lose more money than what's worth doing this for because I'm going to lose all of these supporters. So I'll back out straight away. And at least I think personally, mate, in regards to City and, and Tottenham, I think all six clubs, well, certainly I think those three um, were waiting for were waiting for, for one to top out. I think they all were all looking at each other and go, who's going first? And as soon as Chelsea went, I think City went, yeah, we'll file as well. I think Tottenham went, they're going, yeah, we'll file as well. And I think the other three were sort of just pushed into a corner and went, yeah, we're going to have to go because the fans aren't, look at the way fans are reacting to it. I think I still think to this day, John W. Henry, the Glazers, and Stan Kroenke would go and join the Super League mm, if yeah. they didn't have as bad of a reception. I honestly don't think they care about Absolutely. football whatsoever. I think they would join if 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 Tottenham, sorry, if, if Chelsea and City and Tottenham had gone, no, you know what, we get it to upset, but we're going to stick with it. Those three clubs are stuck with it as well. They've only left because they've gone, shit, everyone else has left here and we've got to try and make ourselves look good. The apology videos, the apology statements, it's all a load of nonsense. They don't care. Let's move on before the um, before we get into the Aston Villa game. Obviously, we've seen the last couple of days the announcement of a Premier League Hall of Fame and the inductees. I don't know if you've seen it. Obviously, the first yeah. two inductees was it Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer. Yeah. yeah. Is there any anyone from Everton you, you could possibly imagine seeing on the Premier League in, of you know the inductees of the Premier League Hall of Fame? Um, probably Dennis Lachlanazi. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Wayne, Wayne Rooney's obviously the big name, isn't it? I know he yeah. spent the majority of his career at Manchester United. Um, but Wayne, I, I think 
on the current rules, from what I read, he can't, Wayne Rooney can't join because the players have had to have been retired before the first yeah. of August 2020, and he wasn't. So I think he'll he'll have to join at a later date for this for this yeah. inductee, whatever you want to call it. He couldn't join because he hadn't been retired yeah. by the date that he needed to be. Um, but I think Wayne Rooney will be within the first five to be yeah, honest, no within doubt. the next three. No I think he'll be in there, and, and as he should. Uh, he's one of the best footballers to ever grace Premier League football. Uh, I've seen the rest of the list for, for players to join it. Um, and it's mad, really, because there's a lot of players on there who individually were the best players at their club in the Premier League. But there's a lot that haven't won league titles. I mean, yeah, exactly. Slippy G's on there and he's never won a league yeah. title. Ryan Giggs wasn't on the list I've seen, which I found quite stained. Now, I, I think that the Ryan Giggs situation is a bit more deeper. Yeah, than, I think he would be footballer. on there. I think he would be on there given his... Uh... Recent situation is probably best yeah. that he's not. That's what I, I, that's what I mean. I think I've seen a lot of Man United fans go mad on Ryan Giggs, and I thought you're missing the point here. He's not not on there because they haven't recognised Ryan Giggs would probably be one of the two, certainly yeah. one of the three. If, Absolutely. If he wasn't in court at the moment for what he's in court for, and if he didn't have an eight-year affair with his brother's wife, he probably hmm. would definitely yeah. be on there. So that's probably why they're keeping him off of it. Um, but yeah, I, look, I had no real issue with Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer. To be honest, that again. Top highest top goal scorer in the Premier League, Thierry on in Alan Shearer. Thierry Henry was a very, very good player in his time. You know, was a part of a very successful Arsenal team, very um, you know, in terms of his ability, he was an excellent player. Um, but in terms of Everton players, I think you're probably looking at you're looking at Wayne Rooney, obviously, but more so because he wanted done for Man United, they'll say I'd say Leighton Baines, I'd yeah. say various other players, but they won't they won't be on there because they might be on there in at number five hundred entry or something, but at the moment, you know, the, the Premier League don't even recognise Everton at the moment as an half decent club. So yeah. probably not gonna throw any uh, any ex Everton players on there. But yeah, look, I think Wayne Rooney will be within the top five as soon as they change that rule, he'll be he'll be certainly up there. What about you, mate? Do you do you have any names? Well to you the you mentioned Leighton Baines, so I suppose in terms of in terms of his numbers, you you could he could well be in there, couldn't he? But oh, Gareth, Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry, I'd say. Yeah, sorry, exactly. Sorry to interrupt you, I'd say Gareth Barry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, hasn't he got the record most appearances? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But for Leighton Baines, in terms of left-backs, I mean, you've got, there's obviously players like Dennis Irwin and Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole was the one that sort of overshadowed him in a way at the time. Obviously, he was in the England yeah. squad. Um, but Yeah, listen, Stevie G never won anything. Well, never won a league, should I say. Neither did Leighton Baines, but Leighton Baines was just his numbers. His numbers show you he was he was a phenomenal left back. Yeah, but uh, is there any other players from any other clubs that you're surprised got left out? I was surprised when it, obviously players like Yaya Torre. I was yeah. quite surprised when he was left off. Is, is was there any for you? I hadn't. I haven't even. I can't remember the list straight away. To be honest with you, let me uh, let me just get it up real quickly on the list I've got. Oh, I'm getting sexy here from random numbers. Yeah. Um, there was a few United players as well that they missed off, and I was thinking, obviously they can't just put, the, they're not going to put the whole of the '99 squad are they on yeah, the that's, on that's the list? But there's quite there's quite a few that obviously there'll be there'll be the inductees next year and the year after. So yeah, there's, I think obviously there's, there's a lot of there's a lot it's a lot of Chelsea and Man United in it. John Terry, yeah. Roy Keane, um, yeah, uh, was was Gareth Barry in there? I don't. I don't. He was, was he? I'm not sure. I don't think he. Was. I don't. I couldn't even remember. I couldn't recall any City players on it to be honest. So it'd be a Gareth Barry. It'd be one that I'm. I'm uh, a bit strange yeah. about because record most Premier League appearances, mm-hmm. um, consistent throughout his years as well. Even playing for Everton at 33, 34 yeah, years of age, yeah. he was absolutely exceptional. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd, I'd say Gareth Barry. You mentioned Yaya Torre. Then definitely Yaya Torre. I remember that 
2014 season. Yeah, when 13, they won the league. 14, he was yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. He really, really was. Um, but I think they'll add to the list. I think they've, I think what they've done basically is just gone, we'll, we'll get a rough list together and we'll throw it out there and then we'll add upon, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, sort of. But I think, certainly, look, I, I, I don't remember the years of like David Beckham and stuff, but I think David Beckham spent a lot of his career outside of the Premier League, didn't he? But yeah. he's obviously because he's David Beckham. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think I'd probably say, yeah, like you said, Yaya Torre, Gareth Barry. Um, I think those two are definitely names that, that should be in there and, and ultimately should be in the, the Hall of Fame. You, you think of Premier League, the first thing you're going to go to is, right, who's got the most goals in the Premier League? Yeah. Sure. Who's played most games in the Premier League? Gareth Barry. So, I, I don't get it, but played for Everton, didn't he? So, they'll probably chalk that one off. Yeah, possibly. Well, let's move on to the Aston Villa game then. Are you feeling confident for this athlete? Obviously, it's a home home draw that we've not um, we're not, be, we're not been so great at home this season. So, are you feeling confident for this week's home fixture? Um, yeah, look, I am. I am feeling confident. I know we haven't been great at home this season. I know that, and I know that these types of games have been the ones that have tripped us up typically. But the reality of this situation is, I think, with the Villa game, is that, like I said before, I think we were a lot better against Tottenham. Than we have been recently at home. I think the Tottenham game was was a lot more improved. Um, and also, like I said, we we really really needed that win against Arsenal because we need some momentum going now. Six games to go. We've got a lot of winnable games in those six games. Wolves is winnable. They're they're shocking at the moment. Two against Villa, very winnable. I think we've got Sheffield United in there, which is obviously winnable. And okay, we've got uh, City away, which is is going to be difficult. Um, but for me. This this is this has got to be a must win. It has to be a must win. Our name is still firmly in that hat for European football. Yes, we've still got a game in hand against Aston Villa, yeah. but we need to we need to keep winning games because other teams are going to keep picking up points. And it's so so tight around those areas. You could finish ninth this season and only finish two points from fourth. It's that tight at the moment. Mm. So we need to start picking up points. I know that other team starts off on points. And like I said. This is a Villa team who are a decent Villa team, got some decent quality players. Ollie Watkins, um, I like obviously Jack Grealish. They've got John McGinn, who I think is a really good player, but it still should be a Villa team. And if, if we're if we're sitting there, if, if me and you, Ned, are sitting in, let's just say, I don't know, Spain or Germany or Croatia in the summer with our shorts on and a nice little top and factor 50 on because I've already burnt, we'd like to be saying, yeah, we're good enough to beat a team like Aston Villa because we're now playing in Europe. And if you want to play in Europe, you'd have to be able to beat those types of sides. As good as as big as a club Aston Villa are, no disrespect, Everton should be turning up and winning. Um, and like I said, the, it's 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 crunch time now. Performance-wise, yes, it'd be great to see us perform brilliantly and go out and put three or four past them. But performances are, are second now. Results yeah, are first. If we perform definitely and win, just get the three points, mate, and then move on to the next game. Yeah, well, it's an it's another game where. You know, you get three points, it's a chance to move up the tables. We've just got to take that chance because the, yeah. the amount of times I've said that this season, we've just not took the chance. We yeah, let ourselves absolutely. down. We've been the own successor of our failure, I suppose you could say. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a massive game for us. So, who, who would you like to see? We Obviously, we talked about centre-backs uh, before. Would you like to see Jeremy in the start of this one? Obviously, he's come back from his injury now. Yeah, I'd like to see Mina in there next to Godfrey, to be yeah. honest with you. And even though Mason had a good game the other day, he did. And I get that, and I get that. It'd be difficult to drop Mason. I think Yeti Mina's 100% fit. He has to be in there. Because, like I said, I think he's our most dominant centre. Certainly in the air as well. There's not a lot said about Yeti, how good Yeti Mina is aerially. Yeah. And I think in recent weeks when Yeti Mina hasn't been in the team, we've conceded a lot or we've looked a lot, um, you know, we've looked a lot, we've looked exposed. 
with balls coming into the box. So when you've got Yeri Mina there, typically he gets them away. He's, he's, he's what, six foot five, six foot six, something like that. Is it Eden's great? He throws himself in the way. So I'd say Yeri Mina, and then I'd probably have to say Ben Goffrey as well because you can't leave Ben Goffrey out of this team. It, it, it's Ben Goffrey and then whoever else. And I think out of Mina Keenan, Holgate, uh, I'd put I put Mina in there personally. Mm. I agree. What's your uh, what's your score prediction then for this Saturday? Ooh, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Everton. I'm gonna go two two one three one, but I'm gonna go two one Everton. I just again, I don't really see any game now between now and the end of the season being a three nil four nil. I just don't see us yeah. running away with any game. But I think we should have enough to to beat this Aston Villa team. Um, and if we don't, then we're just going to be where we were two weeks ago, where we're saying, oh, yeah, we had a bit of momentum and now we've ruined it again by drawing to Palace. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. I've got a lot of hope that we're going to finish the season strongly, so I'm going to say 2-0. I'll take that. Hopefully. Happy days. <laughs> and, then, and then hopefully 2-0 at their place as well, which will probably, at the moment, be a couple of days later. God knows, because they've not yeah. told us at, at the time probably, of recording this anyway. Probably be before, mate. Probably be tomorrow night or something. Yeah, exactly. Could be happening now. <laughs> yeah. Let's go check. Oh, we know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fabian Delft's come on in the wrong socks again. Oh, for God's sakes. Still 2 0. Yeah, well, yeah, 2-0 to Villa. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thank you very much for listening to the Toffee TV podcast. If you want more videos, exclusive live videos, then join us on Patreon. Make sure you check out Camry's channel at The Mighty Blues on YouTube. Thank you very much for watching, and goodbye.